0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. I am one of your hosts. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod,
1: And I'm Zach Dosh, and you can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. Hi, Todd. Hi, Zach. I am Greg Steeman, and you can find me on Twitter at Greg Steeman.
0: You can also find our website at ReachingTheSummitPodcast.com. And we have many stories there and and other um, power rankings and players of the week that you can find on that website as well. Uh, So gentlemen, I want to start out with a couple of news items that have come out in the last week or so, and then we'll jump into the the matchups, including a really exciting North Dakota versus North Dakota State uh, series that happened, especially the second game this weekend. Uh, the first news item is the Summit League announced there are going to be no fans at the Summit League tournament this year. Does that surprise you guys at all?
2: Well, I I know from the start of all this. I think first and for, foremost, the main goal was to crown a champion and send them to the NCAA tournament,
0: right?
2: And you know that's the priority. And then hopefully we can then get fans in there. If they can't, you know, it, it's 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 understandable at this point. I mean it's not like anybody has their hopes up really for anything. I mean, just sort of planning for the worst, hoping for the best type of thing. And so, um, but you know, we'll be able to cover all the games on MidCo, and I, I guess that the championship game will probably be on ESPN again this year. And so people will be able to watch it. Um, I know it's not the same thing, but, uh, first and foremost, we're keeping people safe and crowning a champion. And so just trying to keep priorities in order, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Todd and Zach, I don't have much to add to that. I, I understand. Um, Based on the environment that's out there now, uh, anybody who's taking less than the absolute 110% chance of, of you know, uh, risk avoidance, they'll be criticized beyond belief. So um, I understand where the Summit League's coming from, and I think, I, I think just as the Summit League was kind of at the forefront of getting the scheduling set up and saying, hey, here's how we're going to do it, I think they're going to make every effort to make this conference tournament go off without a hitch even though there's no fans available um, to, you know, to, to be on site. I do think the television coverage has always been, um, uh, you know, uh, extremely valuable for our region. And uh, that's going to be their goal is, is, Hey, let's find out who our representative is to the NCAA tournament and let's give them the best chance to, to uh, get the best representative, uh, you know, to the tournament.
2: The, the one thing I don't know is, you know, my guess is they they fully intend that that decision to be final, um, but as we know, I mean everything's written in pencil. I mean i don't right. I don't care what anybody says. Everything's written in pencil at this point. And you know maybe if we have two months here of you know at least UND and NDSU having some uh, luck and a lot of success, really with having a just reduced attendance, that maybe it encourages them to do so. But but again, you know, kind of like what Greg said, it's just like, what's the upside? Yeah, maybe some additional revenue, maybe a little better atmosphere. But, you know, if something happens, and obviously nobody wants to be, you know, standing out there in front of, of the press if something would happen. So, you know, I understand them being overly cautious. It's just sort of the nature of society that we have to operate in right now. So.
0: Well, and I think something to remember, we, we see it from especially from a fan perspective as, oh, but North Dakota can have fans. North Dakota State has fans. Oh. And, and even if, you know, those of us that have been to the tournament before, there's some really heavily attended games and some that are not. We also have to remember there's teams coming from multiple different states with multiple different rules in those states. And so it it just is kind of one of those things. Do you s- sit and pick through all the different rules that all these teams are dealing with? Or do you just make kind of a blanket statement? And-
2: yeah, my guess is one of the chances that all these different states are all on the same page and have the su- same rules and regulations for the teams operating in them. And and so my guess is there are some fine print that they ran into. And, and again, I, I get it, you know.
0: Um, this is just what we have to do. Yeah. And also get it from a fan perspective. Um, there are people that have made that trek on an annual basis with their families and, and some really important traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a year of broken traditions, it's another one. And and so it's certainly very disappointing for people uh, at the same time, I swear to everything, it will be more normal next year. And yeah. and so at least we're watching basketball. We didn't even know if we were going to be doing that uh, yeah. you know, a few months yeah. ago.
2: My thing was, is, you know, or my only maybe question would be why why call it so soon? But just for what what you said, Todd is, you know, all the hotel reservations and this and that 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 has to be done. You know, both for the teams and for the for the patrons and things like that. And so, unfortunately, we have to call it probably before we'd like to, but just logistically, it's what you have to do. So,
0: right, yeah, I was sitting there debating on Airbnb whether I get because I wanted to get uh, something before everybody else did. But then it's Mm -hmm. like, how many days do I have to pay for if it doesn't happen and all those things like that. So, yeah. uh, The second news item that we had, I guess not really a news item, but just something that came up. We had two series canceled this weekend um, after having a relatively healthy year up to this point with little uh, amount of pauses for the teams. And I just wanted to let people know the, the Summit League did get back to me on that and at this point, there's no plans to make up games that are canceled. They are considered canceled, and they'll just go off of the winning percentage of the teams. And th- there's no plan to shift schedules around. If two teams that were supposed to play each other later, earlier in the year now got um, games canceled, at least officially, there's no plans to make those up. That doesn't mean that if the stars align perfectly, they won't change things around, but that's, yeah. that's the plan for now.
2: Well, I think, the, you know, the first thing the fans are going to go to is now all of a sudden the the schedule's become incredibly unbalanced. But, you know, I, I think if nothing else is abundantly clear after this year, it's that nothing is fair and this is not going to be fair. And that's that, you know, there's not much to discuss.
0: Well, and the second thing fans will go to is team A is ducking team B because they don't want to have to play them. Uh, just I, until there's evidence of something like that, I get the disappointment, and it's probably even happened on some of the coaches' coaching staffs. But that that just is what it is.
2: I mean, why would why would yeah. a fan why would a team isolate themselves for months, go through <laughs> all the protocols, and then actually get to the play the the payoff, and then duck them, duck a team? So any accusations about that is is garbage. It's there's just it's not
1: founded in reality, in my opinion. Well, I I guess I'm just going to add i i I've been around a lot of. You know, whether it's high school or college teams, I've never been around professional teams. I have yet to see a team that ever said, you know what? we're afraid of them. we <laughs> we, we don't want to play them. I, I, th- these kids are the ultimate competitors. I don't care what everybody says. you know it, if if, if you've had a struggled you know a struggling start to your season, what's better than, than playing the the you know one of the most high level teams, to say, you know what, we, we want to go get after these guys or, or this team. And and so I, it, it boggles my mind that people will go to that point and say someone, you know, a, a coaching staff might tell their team, you know what, shut it down, guys. We're afraid of going and playing wow. this team. Nope. I, I refuse to buy it. I refuse to see it. I have yet to ever see it. Um, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the most experienced coach I, I had a chance to coach 12 years at the collegiate level i cannot even imagine walking into a locker room and, and telling a group of of competitors that you know guys uh we're fine we're all healthy right. but let's just let's just duck the opposition I, I i i can't even fathom that so i'm with you guys i'm sorry for the dramatics but I, but I, i'll tell you what it, it is hard for me to to grasp that concept and if you want to take it a step farther, it's like the tanking thing in the NFL or the NBA. I, I just I refuse to ever buy it, and and certainly at the college level, I, I won't. I refuse to.
2: No, I don't think you're being dramatic at all. I mean, th- that's like one of the most serious accusations you can make, and it's it's total garbage. It's 100 percent garbage. If if there was any concerns about that or anything like that, just opt out of the season, right? I mean, I mean not every team is playing this year, and and that's fine. I mean, if, if you're just not comfortable with it, but you know, the notion that one team is scarier than the other. I mean, none of these teams are that scary. Let's be honest. You know, there are worse things in life. I think we found out this last year than losing a basketball game, you know, like it's a privilege to be able to play a basketball games. So nobody's going to tank that. And um, it, yeah, I, I just, I have, I have a big problem with it. I, I know a little bit of that was floating around out there and just uh, wanted to go on a soapbox a little bit about that because that that's just, furthest thing from the truth. And honestly, I don't think any of those accusations are coming from the teams, you know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't mean that different coaching staffs won't handle positive tests or whatever it happens to be differently. They mm-hmm. all have their own philosophy on how to deal with that type of thing. Um, so I get that some of that came from how early the South Dakota state Omaha series was canceled. But it, it, again, I, I agree with both of you. It, it just isn't the way that those and, – and great point, Greg, on the fact that Omaha, no better way to get their season going the right way than to win a game against South Dakota State. And why wouldn't they want that opportunity if it was available to them? Uh,
1: I'm complete in complete agreement, guys. And and, and so I, I won't beat this dead horse, but I I do think, um, you know, the one thing that we have to deal with, with our with our teams – there's multiple states involved. And there's multiple state policies involved. Right. And some might be a week ahead of time. Some might be two days ahead of time. Some might be two hours ahead of time. It's fine. I I just refuse to believe there's there's not a coach in this league that wouldn't take their team, even after losing, I don't care, four, six, eight, ten in a row, and say, you know what, we'll go play the best team in the league, and we'll go beat them, And uh, if we have the opportunity to. If that opportunity not there, it's not their choice. And, and I just, so I I won't echo any more. Um, You guys, I I think all three of us are on the same page without question.
2: There's nothing scary about losing nothing.
0: Well, and, and Greg, I'll actually jump onto that point because a team that had an opportunity and, and lost two close games at home to kind of start changing their season around Denver and Oral Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts swept, the the games in Denver, but both were in single digits and especially game one, Denver brought down to the, uh, to the wire. Uh, They looked a lot better. They, they had contributions from players that they haven't maybe had contributions from before, but then they also, Denver also had contribution from Jace Townsend kind of back to his old self, 27 points in the first game, 35 points in the second game. Uh, Sam Hines, quietly making a bid for newcomer of the year, uh, 14 points, 10 rebounds in the first game, 18 and 10 in the second, averaging 10 and six on the year, which is likely to go up, given that he's really started to uh, uh, play well. And then on the Oral Roberts side, and then I'll let the, the two of you kind of go for a little bit here. Uh or, or are you kind of back to the same questions? I know we've said it so many times on the podcast, but when it keeps coming up, Especially on the interior, Denver really took advantage of uh, Oral Roberts in the interior. Uh, really struggled to stop Hines down low um, and the other big men um, outside of Frank Ryder uh, down low for Denver as well. Any takeaways from that series for, for you guys?
1: Well, Todd, I think you bring up some really you know interesting points. First of all, I'm going to go to your, the last point that you made. Oral Roberts struggled defensively against Denver's interior. And that's without, they're big.
0: Right. (laughs) Robert Jones, you know, think about that.
1: And so credit to, um, you know, Denver and their staff and, and saying, Hey, listen, let's go out. Listen, coach Billups, uh, I'm not going to pull any punches. He's fighting for his job.
0: Right.
1: And when you're doing that, um, and to be honest with you, I'll, I'll speak to it from experience. I remember in the middle of my career at Southwest where you're going, I don't know if I'm gonna be back here next year. And the last thing you ever do is pack it in. What you do is you say, Hey, you know what? If they're if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down fire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find everything that we can possibly do to give these guys a chance to be successful. Because from the outsider's perspective, what 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 might not be understood is that every coach is gonna say, What do we have? How can we use it to our advantage and how can we, how can we, you know, uh, come back and, and uh, throw it in the face of all those critics? And how can we find a way to turn this thing around? And I, I I have no question, Coach Billups is going to do that. They're going to come to North Dakota state next weekend uh, with their hair on fire. And they should, because that's what college competitors do. That's what college coaches do. They, they embrace the opportunity to compete. They embrace the opportunity to say, you know what, the the ninth, 10th, 11th guy who I didn't give a chance, I'm going to give you a chance because you've earned it in practice. And we're going to be a different team than what they've seen on film. So Denver fought. They fought their tails off against an an exceptionally talented ORU team, Uh, fought them tooth and nail in two games at home, which in this this current environment, I think in my opinion, well, Zach, you were up at UND and, and 650 fans. I think that in that arena, that can make a difference. At North Dakota State, where they're allowing 2,800 now, you know, close to close to 50%. That makes a difference. A lot of arenas, it's it's you know the, the, whether you're at home or on the road doesn't make much difference. I give I give Coach Billups and, and his Denver team a lot of credit. They're finding ways to compete, and I think there's no question they're going to come into Fargo with absolutely nothing to lose, and and get after him. So we'll see. But North, but Oral Roberts, to their credit, they still found a way. To come out uh, with two road wins out of Denver.
0: Well, and yeah, I think. You, the, oh, go oh, ahead. Go Jack. ahead, Todd. I I just wanted to echo on Greg's point. There weren't fans in Denver, so one of the interesting things with that uh, on the radio broadcast, you could absolutely hear the Oral Roberts bench making a point to be involved in the second game. So it's not only other than the altitude part that home doesn't mean as much, especially in those. Uh, each, it's just which bench is louder, really. So I just wanted to echo that from what Greg said.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, both of these teams, and, and obviously you can throw UND in there and, and really pretty much every team, but, you know, it, it follows the old cliche that, you know, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. And the level of unpredictability that we're seeing here, that's what makes this fun. You know, if, if everything happened that we thought was going to happen and we said it was going to happen, this would not be fun, you know? So like, it's fun to see, you know, Denver pop up and and knock off a team and, and UND, you know, get blown out one night and come back and win the other. Like that's what makes this a lot of fun. And so that's what I'm thankful for. Um, And it just reminds us why this is such a special sport and to not get too carried away with what we see on any given night. And that this is a marathon and not a sprint. A whole, a whole, a whole, uh, a whole bunch of cliches there. Um, but it's just it feels good to have all this back and just just remind us why this is so fun, right?
0: And I did want to just a uh, shout out to to a player that we haven't talked much about, Giovanni Bickham, a, a sophomore forward with Denver, had two really nice games, gave Or Roberts problems down low. Um, so just wanted to mention him, and then another player that we haven't mentioned as often, RJ Glasper, is is that. Kind of becoming that third scorer for Oral Roberts, um, a senior guard transferred, I think, from Arkansas, a Division II Arkansas school that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Um, another good good shooter, um, and positive note for Oral Roberts. Uh, Max was shot horribly in the second game, and they were still able to overcome that and uh, and and get the win. Um, I will say they they just feel like they need somebody to come through. Down low for them. Francis Latsis is a nice has nice length, but against bigger um forwards, he really gets pushed around down there. So um they even brought in Nate Clover, a freshman who had three blocks and nine minutes in the second game. They're kind of searching for that other big because the other thing that I think summit league teams will uh start to use. O'Banner fouled out with four or five minutes left in the first game. And had two fouls with ten minutes left in this in the second game in the first half, um, and sat the rest of the first half. So they were really going after him defensively as well.
2: Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of uh coaches just not being stubborn, right? And they realize uh-huh. that you know, just because just because a guy isn't getting a lot of playing time at any given time, it doesn't mean that he's not a good player. I mean, if you're deserving of a division one basketball scholarship, you can play. And so you know, for whatever reason, if a player isn't getting done, Hey, you know, this is a meritocracy here. You know, you have to earn your playing time and you have to continually earn your playing time. And so, you know, obviously, like, like you stated, we, we saw a little bit of that with Denver and all Roberts and a whole lot of that with UND right. um, and, and getting results and getting results and sending messages and trying to get things established. You know, not everybody has their rotation down like UND or like NDSU and, and South Dakota state. so, uh, it's a bit of a process. They're having to learn on the fly. Usually these are the things that you sort out in the preseason and, and non-conference schedule, but uh, they weren't afforded that opportunity. And um, But they're finding their way. They're finding their way. They're, they're kind of continuing to twist that Rubik's Cube. And um, you never know when it'll click, and it could easily rattle off two, three wins, and then all of a sudden the standings look a lot different.
0: And one thing I didn't bring up, but I'll, I'll mention just quickly – I don't know if you guys looked forward to next weekend's games, but it's kind of another weekend of some of the higher ranked teams or higher in the standings teams versus lower in the standings teams, which shows that, you know, the beginning is just going to look a little bit like this, but think of what the second half or last third of conference play is going to look like. It's going to be all the heavyweights playing it out for those last few weeks. It'll be pretty fantastic.
1: I'm in agreement with you. Todd, and, and, and Zach as well, I, I go back to, you know, you look at Darren Hansen and I talked about this on a radio show, radio show earlier in the week, or Darren Hansen probably had to say, what did I do to you guys in the Summit League when they drew out his first half conference season? Granted, they weren't able to play South Dakota State this past weekend, but you also look at, you know, the the back end of their schedule. They, they could very possibly go into the Summit League tournament on a roll uh, with, with a high level of confidence, and Listen with Matt Pyle and and uh, and and some some other guys. They've got some experienced players, and and if you give them some confidence and and they get on a roll, it'll be interesting to see how they can compete in the in the Summit League tournament. Now, to this point, they don't have a conference win, but at the same time, their schedule levels out towards the end, and it's interesting uh, as you were talking about both Zach and Todd. You know the adjustments that coaches make so often. you know, basically every, every season up to this point, teams have said, Oh man, when we see these guys next time, three or four, five or six weeks down the road, we're going to do this right now. It's when we see these guys next time, (laughs) it's tomorrow. Right. What changes are, are you going to make? And, and how, how, how locked in are your guys on that Saturday morning walkthrough? But I think this is a, in a way, it's going to test these coaches' metal to say, listen, you know, and, and Paul Sather is a great example of that after North Dakota State went up there and really put it on them on Friday night. That's a credit to Paul Sather and his staff to say, here's what we're going to do on Saturday to give ourselves a chance. And it's, it's hard to script perimeter guys making shots, but that's not all that happened. I think they, they, they fine-tuned some approaches both defensively and offensively, and it paid off for them. It was hard fought. Uh, right down to the right down to the end, and they found a way to come out there, come out of there with an overtime win. So it's exciting to watch these things. Is it a unique season? Absolutely. Is it going to test coaches and their and their staffs, and, and also the team's mental makeup? Without question, we're so fortunate to have a, a a first row seat to watch these things play out.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things is seeing the ebbs and flows of these teams, you know, and seeing them come from. these players coming from being a recruit to redshirting to to earning their roles, to, to becoming a starter and becoming a star, things like that. And just like Greg said, it becomes very apparent that, you know, sometimes teams play better, you know, for a week or two, then they kind of take a step back and then they kind of make some adjustments and then they start playing well again, just all the ebbs and flows throughout the course of this year uh, is really something that I find fascinating. And I, you know, that's what I really appreciate about this league in general is that, you know, I I know a lot of fans out there are noticing that too because, you know, the summer league may not have the biggest fan base, but they have some of the most passionate, and knowledgeable fans out there, and I really appreciate that. That's what means the most to me, rather than trying to be the most entertaining. Um, and so it, that's what's really fun for me to 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 debate and talk about and try to point
0: out. Well, let's move on to the North Dakota State uh, North Dakota game, and Zach, I think we'll go to you first. You were there uh, on the call for those two games. And we're going to do something unique here. Um, I, As people might guess, the, the podcast is not our primary job. So I'm on call for work right now. And my phone has just been going crazy. So, Zach, could you uh, go into that game and just uh, talk about what you saw there? Maybe go through some of the points we have on the notes, and I will eventually join you guys back on here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. All right.
0: Perfect. So...
2: So, yeah, Greg, I, I'm really curious to get your opinion on this too here because that the Friday night game was one of the oddest games that I had ever been a part of. And obviously, I have no rooting interest. I mean, we're neutral. We just try to break down exactly what's going on. Um, but I really struggled to break down what was going on. You know, I, I view questionings questioning somebody's effort level as a very serious accusation that's that's about the last thing that like i'll throw out there um but i don't know how to explain a team not shooting free throws greg do you have any ideas how to explain that
1: i don't it's it's unheard of and uh and i'm not even gonna go to the point where i'm gonna say you know be be critical of the officials i think sometimes it comes down to Listen, are you willing to go in there and mix it up? Are you willing to go in there and attack, and attack the basket? Are you willing to go in there and, and attack the defense and put the pressure on the defense? It's interesting. My guess is it's a combination of the two, but it's it's unheard of. I, I, I've never – I think it was been four or five years in the league since a home team never shot a free throw on their home floor in a conference game. So that was interesting. But at the same time, I – Paul say there may not have been pleased with it during the game. But, Zach, you know better than I do, he used that with his guys Saturday morning in that film session and walkthrough saying, really? We weren't tough enough to go in and and force those officials, you know, to to make those calls and be the aggressors on the offensive end. And, you know, as as great as North Dakota State looked, and, and North Dakota State, Zach, I think both you and I, agree this team is a unique exceptional uh yeah. team that has a really 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 high ceiling in this league and i think dave richmond is going to really enjoy working with his staff to find how close uh they can get to achieving that ceiling this season but at the same time paul Sayther was able to use that as, as some ammunition with his guys now he might have been on the officials during the friday night game saying hey what the heck's going on but i guarantee you he was oh, on his guys was- saying listen that was on us we need to find a way to get ourselves to the line we need to find a way to be the aggressors on the offensive end and to their credit they did a fantastic job on saturday night they competed they did everything they could to get that thing to overtime mitchell suker with a with a career night for north dakota and perimeter guys stepping up and knocking down shots that allowed that defense to have to spread out a little bit and give Rabracha and Suker, you know, room to operate on the interior. So, um, I'm with you. It, I've I've never seen it in my time. I don't re- I don't remember it if I did, but that's a crazy thing to overcome. And, and credit to Paul that's Sather and his staff, they found a way to do it on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, the, I mean the 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 only thing that I can really figure out and kind of take from it is you know they started out okay. And then Gertadas has got a shot blocked like three straight times, pretty emphatically by Grant Nelson. And it almost kind of felt like the whole UND team yeah. kind of took a step back and was just like, whoa. Because like, they, they, like, they weren't like lollipop shots. They were unbelievable yeah. blocks by Grant Nelson. And I think everybody kind of st- stood back and be like, OK, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", 6'10", 6'10". Where am I going to go if I go in the paint? What's going to happen? (laughs) I don't like this. I don't want to be the next one, you know. And like they just got so far on their heels, and I mean, you you do have to say just their level of effort. I'll never forget it. It was there was like, uh, uh, NDSU had about like a seventeen point lead, something like that in the second half. Loose ball on the floor. Who comes up with it? Sam Greasel, Rocky Cruiser. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man. They could have totally pulled up and made a business decision and they would have easily won the game, but they didn't. And that's the type of mentality they were playing with. And to your point, I don't think there were really any calls blown. I mean, there might have been one or two, but it's not like if they have shot two free throws, I'd have felt a whole lot different about the game. Right. Uh, matter, matter of fact, there was actually one towards the end of the game where somebody was fouled and they thought it was shooting. And we're in both Alex and I were like, hey, we got free throws here. And then it was rolled on the floor and we're like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> But but uh, you know shoot around was interesting, um, pretty low key. You know, it it, it I didn't know how I, I didn't know how to feel about that. I, I wasn't hundred percent sure how UND was gonna come out. Um, because you know, like before, I, I really like going to shoot around. I like getting the games early. I like just kind of seeing the mood and just the temp taking the temperature of the team. I'll never forget after uh, Kansas City lost that first game to UND, they were like angry. They were angry and they were ornery, ornery and shooter, and I'm yeah. like, holy smokes! Either they're gonna come out and put U N D at the line a million times, or they're gonna come out and actually play well, or something like that. Um, but but U N D was was pretty uh, relaxed, and they, they just they didn't do a whole they did they did basically zero
1: X's and O's. Um, well, they did. It, go ahead. And, and, and Zach, you're making some really good points, and and here's what I love about it. You know, I'm gonna go back to what you said. There was a loose ball late in that Friday night. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. NDSU put a beat down on UND on Friday night. Yep. And late in that game, you talked about it. There's a loose ball. And when NDSU is up big, Greasel and Cruiser are the first to the floor. Now, I'm not going to... I'll bet your mortgage payment and I'll bet Todd's mortgage payment. I won't bet mine. <laughs> but what I'll do is I'll bet you because, because Paul Sater, he can't control how well his team shoots. He can't control, you know, a, a lot of things. But I bet what aided him the most on Friday night was probably thinking back to that specific possession you're talking about, where a team that's up, I don't know, 16, 18, and those guys are flying to the floor before your team is that's a hard thing for a coach to accept because you can say, listen, we can't control whether or not the ball goes in the hoop. We can't control a lot of things on the floor, but we can control our effort, our attitude, our toughness. And if we're not going to fight for ourselves, then why on earth would would we ever think the officials would fight on our behalf? And I think that's probably what changed because, Zach, you can attest to this. Who was the more aggressive team on Saturday night? Who was the team that said, no, we're not going to settle we're going to continue to come at you. We're going to fight our tails off because we have con- direct control over those things. And I know, I know the media. And I guess, I guess if we're on a po- podcast. We're in the media, right? I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm going. i putting my coach's hat on. Okay. It's easy to critique. It's easy to to evaluate. But from a coach's standpoint, the only thing you ever ask of your guys is don't don't leave anything out there. Don't short your teammates on your effort when you're on the floor, and I think Paul said they probably got that out of his guys on Saturday night, and I think that maybe that was the biggest message that his his team got is I don't if we go down, let's go down swinging, let's go down fighting, and they found a way to scratch one out in overtime.
2: Yeah, I think you saw him, uh, you know, basically just say, hey, everybody's jobs, everybody's jobs on the table here. Sunburn, some playing time, you know, you saw Caleb Nero to the bench. Barely played at all that second game. You saw Gutadas or Bonavichis, Uh Record a did not play hyphen coach's decision. Uh Tyree Ianacho back in the starting lineup. And Bentu Panoam into the starting lineup. And let me right. tell you, like Bentu, I mean, here's a kid from Alaska, went the JUCO route. Like, if any kid has a right to be upset about the way this year has played out, it's him because he really didn't even get a chance at the beginning of the year. I mean, he played a little bit, but, I mean, almost right from the start, he's a senior, the true freshman come, comes in and starts over him and plays all the minutes, and he just doesn't even really play. And I know that they like him because, you know, he, he made the transition from one coaching staff to the other, but he's just he just kept working, and he just kind of kept his head down. And when he got his shot, he made the most of it. I mean, he, he came in that game at the end of the game, after not being in the rotation, knocked down four threes. Okay. Part of me thinks, man, if you didn't do that, UND has 33 points. (laughs) And he could have easily missed those shots. And they were, because like I said, they were kind of garbage time. And so where do they be with that? And then he comes into the game and the level of urgency that they played was completely different. He just, and that's the only way that I can, I can describe it is like they were going, they were getting the defensive rebound and pushing and putting more pressure on NDSU's defense and um, it made all the difference in the world. And I think that you really even kind of encouraged Ianacho. and And so, and then it was just sort of uh, contagious because everybody's like, man, you know, Bentu comes out there, he's getting an opportunity. He's knocking down shots. Hey, this is fun. Let's, let's play hard. Let's have a good time. Let's win this game. I mean, you know, you, you tell coach save there, obviously he wants to win every game, but you have a chance to split with the team ahead of you in the standings and NDSU, you know, there are worse things than that. And, they didn't turn one loss on Friday into two and uh, you know, he's still trying to establish culture there and he's still trying to find out what they have with some of these players. And um, it, they learned a lot this weekend, but they've done this a couple times now. Right. And at some That's point it's like,
0: no.
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, at some point it's just like, man, can we not do this Friday night stuff anymore? It, it usually it's been Saturday up to this point, but like, they need to get past that as soon as possible. It, it's just, it, you know, like I said, their their roster has a little ways to go, but when you see, I mean, they, obviously they've got NDSU. They're only lost or Robert's are only lost. I mean, it just goes to show you like how valuable a skill set and as a true skill set, playing hard is. Um, right. That, that yeah. that's been the biggest difference between their wins and losses. There's been no X's and O's adjustments.
0: Well, and that's what I was going to ask Zach, but you kind of answered it. Like, it, there's one game where they win and one game where they get beat badly. Each, each series, and how do you carry over the, what gets you the win to the next two games versus one of those two games?
2: Unfortunately for them, it, there's nothing really complicated about it. On the wins, they play hard, they get after it on the defensive end, and they listen to their coaches about what they're trying to execute on offense. For whatever reason, sometimes on offense, they forget what their goal is or what they're trying to do against the way the defense is playing against them
1: Right.
2: And when they when they remember that, that's when we see those skip passes like we saw what, like four or five skip passes in the corner. Boom, three. That's because NDSU is a pretty strong side, heavy team, things like that. They go. They like running the, the pick and roll on the weak side. They remember that and then they do it and then they have success because it's there. And the coaching staff must be just exasperated on Fridays when it's just like, what are you doing we're not doing anything complicated. Do what we're telling you, and it's going to work. And then it does. And then, so I, I think the coaching staff is very happy because this whole weekend really helped emphasize everything that they've been trying to tell their team.
1: Well, and I won't take much time here. Right? You guys have made some good points. I, you know, from the coaching standpoint, you need to play the players that you can trust as a coaching staff, and you need to put the players on the floor that the teammates can trust that are going to continue to do the right thing. And it's, whether it's play hard defensively, whether it's play hard when it's, you know, if I'm going to go set a screen, am I sprinting into the screen? Am I jogging into it? Am I, am I waiting for it? Um, Am I worried too much about my own production? Am I worried too much about my own minutes? Am I worried too much about the fact that, oh my gosh, there's somewhat the scores table. Is he coming in for me? or not you know do i need to make a shot those things as crazy as it sounds they factor into some players decision making Mm -hmm. and i just um, i'll go back to i had the opportunity to coach against don meyer back in the day and one of the things i got from don meyer you know uh, in addition to a number of losses was the foxhole test and if you ask your guys you know you put them in a room and you say hey listen. You know, back in the day in World War II, people had these foxholes, and you had a guy on your right, a guy on your left, and a guy had your back. And on this team, who would you want in your foxhole? And you know, what was really revealing is not the guys that ended up in everybody's foxhole, it was the guys that never ended up in anybody's foxhole.
0: <laughs> right. You
1: know, and I just, it's, It's you need to, and and sometimes it's imperative that young men in their developmental, you know, years, which are their college years, understand that. Listen, you're really talented. You can really help this team. Tell me why you're not anybody's, not in anybody's foxhole. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that can be really, that can be hard hitting. But I think these teams need to understand that. They need to grow from that. And these teammates need to understand how they're thought of by their fellow teammates, because I think that's, what's going to separate the, you know, the, the, the top of the league from the middle of the league, from the bottom of the league. And these are the opportunities. And I just speak to this from a coach's standpoint, you get a chance to have these opportunities to develop individuals and challenge them and push them and reveal their weaknesses and reinforce their strengths. And, uh, what a great opportunity these coaches have. So sorry, I get so philosophical on this stuff sometimes, but God, it's so great that we get a chance to watch these college teams play and watch them to watch them develop over the course of this season.
2: But this is what it's all about, right? Right. I mean, this is how winning's done. This is how culture is developed. And so Greg, you speak to it from the coach's perspective and I can speak to it from the player's perspective. Like this is hard for these kids. It's not quite as simple as it looks because, They're used to, I mean, like if you're on scholarship, the division one level, even the division two level, like you probably were able to do whatever you wanted in high school. And you were so good. It doesn't matter. Coaches couldn't really tell you much. And like, you're just an extremely, you're just on a completely different level than everyone else. Obviously I wasn't, but like my guess is a lot of these guys were, and (laughs) you know, you like, you come in and this is the first time you hit adversity. And this is the first time somebody can really look you in the eye. And a lot of guys don't handle that well. And everybody's kind of on their own timeline for when they like accept that. And they, they start to buy in for me. It was really like going into my junior year where it's just like, man, okay. Like I get this, I get why this is important. And then you really start to take off because like it's, it's no question. And so it, it takes a while for it to click for all these players. And sometimes it takes a school or two before it clicks and, um, you know, these coaches know that and uh, talent is incredibly important. You cannot win without talent. But just like Greg said, you know, it not approaching the game the right way. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to be in an ivory tower here, but it's just it's a tried and true thing. I mean, this level of basketball is too high to not not have to do this. If You don't approach it the right way. It undermines any talent that you have like immediately. And, uh, you know, well, and then and then, and then some, sometimes you get benched and then you get another shot. You get to you get another shot at it. And so just because you get benched, or you get pulled from the starting lineup doesn't mean that things are over. It means, okay, take a step back, learn, and then hop back in there and take a step back, learn, hop back in there. So,
0: you know, the process. Well, and Zach, to your point, no matter how many, I mean, North Dakota State lost a lot of good players from last year's team. Mm-hmm. But there was little doubt that they were going to be competing for the Summit League at the beginning of the season. And they are again. And that's not because of talent. It's because of what the program has put forth and what they've got set up.
2: It's the culture. I mean, you know, in my opinion, NDSU and SDSU, they have the biggest advantage by far this year in the conference because they probably have some of the best culture and they have the most continuity. And they can just bring freshmen in and put put them in the system. And then after a year or two, they come out as this nice finished product, and then they're ready to go, and they're ready to play. Uh, so, But I'm not trying to take anything away from them. That's the ultimate goal of, any, of every program. I mean, no right. program really wants to go dipping into the transfers and the grad transfers and this and that. They do that because they have to because they can't do exactly what South Dakota State and North Dakota State's doing. So I know we're kind of getting a little off topic here, but this, this
1: is really good stuff. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. And, and guys, I'll just follow up with that. And again, I'll go back to the, the coaching perspective and crime. As I'm sitting here, I'm realizing it's been more than a decade since I coached. I was never smart enough or talented enough to get the message across to our young guys, but our upperclassmen always were. Mm-hmm. And they always bridge the gap between, you know, what my expectations were and what the young guys knew they really had to do. And I, you know, you look at Dave Richmond's program, you look at South Dakota state. Uh, I, I think Dave Richmond's team has a chance to be pretty doggone special. And I, I spoke openly early on in the bad boy mowers classic, where I said, I think this SDSU team may be the most complete team I've seen in the summit league in my time doing these games, which has been close to a decade now. I still think that. I don't know that David Richmond's team doesn't have that potential as well. Uh, you mm. talked about the lineup, Zach, where they play Cruiser, Nelson, mm. uh, Harden-Hayes, Greasel, Edie. Holy crap. I mean, yeah. the, you, you look at their length, and not only their length, but their skill that they have, the ability to put the ball on the floor, the ability to make the pass. Um, it's, it, culture matters. Continuity Matters. And, you know, in, in this day and age of college basketball, it's going to get harder and harder to maintain that because of probably what's going to become the open transfer rule. All those things. You better have guys there that, that are biding their time, that are saying, I want to wait for my opportunity here rather than go get an easier opportunity somewhere else. You hope the culture wins out. It's going to be a, an interesting thing to watch play out. Uh, but couldn't agree more with your, with with your observations. Both of you guys make some great observations on, on what these teams really bring to the floor.
2: Greg, to your point about transfers and culture and all that, I think culture is going to become even more important Mm -hmm. because what culture allows you to do, it allows you to uh, acclimate a new player much faster. You know, the players police themselves when you have great culture, the players are the ones that, that, that kind of take care of everything. And so, when you have great culture, then you can take a then you can take a chance on a talented kid with a little bit of shaky pass things like that, and so if there are more transfers, then your culture becomes more important. If you have if you bring in transfers and your culture is not great, it's never going to get off the ground. Your, your ceiling is just never going to be that high because you're going to be fatally flawed. And so I I personally think culture is going to be more important than ever, and it's probably going to be harder than ever to maintain. So the few programs that have it, they're just going to be have a bigger and bigger advantage.
1: Agree.
0: Well, and one of the things I had put in the notes uh, to you guys earlier was just with all the transfers and all of that, do you almost have to find the kid you're recruiting, do you have to find some of those personality things in, in them that you know they're going to stay around for the hard times and things like that? But I, I like both your point that if you've got the right guys already there, like they're going to set the standard for that person, so maybe it's less about the person and their personality coming in than it is what they adapt to as they get there. Yeah, it's hard
2: to, it's hard to lump, you know, I don't want to lump all the transfers together in in one right. pile. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why a kid can transfer, um, you know? And so I think first off, just getting to know the kid, getting to know what their goals are, getting to know what their background is and the coaching staff will, will, will quickly be able to pick up, Hey, this is a guy who would fit in with us. This is a guy who's focused on the right things, and this is a guy that could, you know, play for us. Has a skill set to play for us? It's pretty quick. I mean, huh. you know, I don't know if you guys do a lot of interviews, things like that, but it's pretty quick to identify when somebody's not seeing the situation clearly. You know, sure. it, it, if the if the player comes in and saying, "Oh, geez, coach had it out for me," you know, whatever. What do you think that coach is going to think? You know, so anyway, um, they're really going to. It's, it's going to come down to, can you profile? Can you ask the right questions? And can you then identify the right kids and then bring them in? And so it's no different than really recruiting. Um, you may have to change the questions you're asking a little bit, but um, pro- properly profiling is one of the biggest key attributes of a coach. If you can continuously and consistently Properly profile kids and truly understand what they're dealing with, then recruiting's not too hard. Um, the hardest part is is when you think you you know a kid and you spend time and you recruit him and you bring him in and he's not what you thought he was, and then it's a huge waste of time and money and resources. And that's where you know rosters get in a pinch. So, um, just my two cents on it.
1: No, I'll just add on to that. And, and you guys both make great points as usual. I'm, um, I just it really comes down to I think coaches and it's all gonna be a trickle down factor because I think the open transfer rule is inevitable. I it goes down to D two, you know, up into mid mid level D one, even D three, for goodness sakes. You know, you look at some of the players that have shown they can perform. I will just simply echo what Zach said and I'll say it in a less absolute manner. You have to hope that most of the guys that you're recruiting buy into what you're doing because the odds of you having all the guys that you're recruiting buy into what you're doing is is they're relatively low and the reason I say that is because there are so many outside voices so many outside voices and I'll go back to a point guard good lord and I'm I apologize I forgot his name a lefty from North Dakota State two three years ago that left and because he had a ton of people in his ear that, hey, he could go be something more somewhere else. And he ended up transferring to one school, transferring to another school, never, ever having the opportunity to contribute at the level that he was contributing already at North Dakota State. Those are the things that you can't control as a head coach. All you can do is control what you, you, know, what you tell, the, tell the kid, what you challenge the kid to do. So I think it really comes down to saying, hey, how do we do this in the most effective manner for the most, for the highest number of guys in our program? Because you can't always control what these kids have on their mind and, and what their uh, aspirations are. For every, for every Matt Mooney out there that goes from a USD to a Texas Tech National Championship, you know, potential MVP guy if they win the game. Um, there are about, I'd like to say nine, but I'd probably say 99 guys nice. out there that don't ever achieve what they think is, you know, when the grass is greener, uh, you know, somewhere else. So, uh, you guys make great points. That was just all I wanted to allude to.
2: Well, even, even take that a step further this year, it's much worse. You know, the NCA is saying, Hey, you're not using year of eligibility. That sounds nice. Honestly, I don't think a lot of these programs can afford carrying extra scholarship players. I don't think there's any coaches out there saying, hey, it'd be awesome if I had 16 or 17 guys on the team. You know, I I think it's, you know, from a matter of logistics, it's kind of hard to run a practice. How the heck do you focus on 16, 17 guys? Are you paying for 16 or 17 plane tickets when you go on the road? I know a lot of these programs can't. I know a lot of the Summit League schools, won't do that. I don't, they will not mm-hmm. carry more, let alone division two. And so just like what you said, Greg, I don't think a lot of these players are getting good information at all at all. They, they have, whether it's an uncle or somebody in their ear and they don't have a good handle on the situation. They don't have good self-awareness. Um, and that leads to some disastrous decisions and it, where you, you, you transfer and the new school has no equity in you, man. It's a one-year, it's a one-year deal. They've invested two or three years in these other guys. Just because you have a scholarship doesn't mean you necessarily have a role either. And so there are plenty of good reasons to transfer. Uh, I'm not trying to make any sweeping generalizations here, but this is a terrible year to try to transfer a terrible year because there's nobody going to be using their, uh, losing their eligibility. Obviously the coaches are going to all bring back the players that have been playing. And so if you're trying to find a new home, it's going to be very tricky and there's going to be a lot of kids for a very few spots. And you're right. It's a game of musical chairs, except for there's 10 people playing in one chair. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a little soapbox, uh, uh, again, another soapbox that I'm on, but, but, um, it's going to be very interesting this off season. I, I just, I hope for all these players sake that it does work out. I mean, we're all pulling for them. we want to see this work out and, you know, I want to see every player finish their career on, uh, on the court, but, you know, it's just a matter of how you get good information, who you listen to, you know, how much, what are you willing to do to, to achieve your goals? I,
1: I will only say one thing to, to young kids and, and even kids in college now. Go where you're wanted.
0: Mm-hmm. Even
1: if you're wanted at a place where you're playing 14 minutes and you want it to be 24 minutes. Go where you're wanted. Uh, it's a Russian roulette out there right now, and there's a you know ton of people out there will say, hey, listen, we'd love to have you here for one year. Um, hey, listen, if, if if things don't go well in your first four or five days of preseason camp, guess what? <laughs> your opportunity's gone. Go where you're wanted, or stay where you're wanted, regardless of what your role is.
2: I mean, you think Bentu Penolms happy you didn't transfer? You know, I mean, geez, Absolutely. there's, there's a, not, I mean, nobody is more excited for bentu than the coaching staff and it's a great situation
0: right now. Well, and the only thing I'll add is if it's a parent or an uncle or someone like that in your ear, I have parent glasses on when it comes to my kids. And I, I don't know that I I've even said, I would never coach a team. One of my kids is on, like it just mm-hmm. wouldn't work. And it's because I see it. Through different lenses, you mm-hmm. you want to get the most honest information you can get, and 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 make decisions based off of that. I fully support kids being able to have young men being able to have their one opportunity to move somewhere different, um, but just have to understand where the information is coming from too, and and base that as part of your decision. Todd, yeah, you make
1: I'll I'll just jump in. Todd, you make a great point value honesty over valuing what you want to hear Mm -hmm. value honesty if there's a coach that's willing to to be honest with you about not only what you do well but what you don't do well value that don't value the people that tell you what you want to hear zach i apologize for interrupting i don't even remember what i was gonna say greg (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know but but no this is it, i i do think this is a fascinating topic though um you know i i think where i was going to go with that thought though was that i i kind of have conflicting opinions about this because i'm all for player empowerment greg knows this yeah. and and this is if you are want to get us going todd start going down that path <laughs> i
0: i agree with <laughs> you on it Zach. but so, but, but yeah.
2: like I, I, I think they should have the right to do all this stuff and the right to transfer and the right to make their own decisions and take control of their careers. But almost always the answer is to not transfer, I, I believe, right. you know, and so <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to be speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, but
0: I, I was never an athlete quote unquote past about seventh grade but i will say i i should have had the right to make decisions when i was 19 and 20 i will also know now that most of them were really bad so like and that doesn't mean that that it just i'll I'll say i'll repeat myself it just who you're listening to matters and whether they're willing to tell you the truth matters in everything in life not just sports and and that's the part where it's just really easy to listen to the people that'll tell you there's greener grass. They might not be right though. Yeah.
2: Grass is greener where you water it. Right, Gregory? Yeah, absolutely brother.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, we're, we're closing in on, on our time for today. Um, we will wrap up this week's episode and then just hope that we have four uh, matchups to talk about next week and have a healthy week ahead of us. And we're closing in after that week on some really exciting matchups in the Summit League. So we're really excited to talk about those coming up. Uh, With that, thank you, gentlemen. Have a good night.
1: Thanks, Todd. Have a great night, guys.